morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you can go to Galatians 3. I asked you to do that at the beginning of the sermon last week, and we're finally going to get there. <laughs> uh, as Alan said, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at New City. I want to welcome all of you, those uh, as well in the overflow room, watching online. Welcome, and if you're new especially, we'd love to greet you, welcome you, and let you know what's going on with New City. We're all kind of new at this. I think we're about four weeks into New City Church. And we're, uh, the sermon series that we're using to launch New City Church is called City on a Hill. And the title comes from Jesus' famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he calls his followers there. He describes them uh, as a city on a hill that shines a light uh, to all those around. And so that's really the calling of, of the church, the calling of our church for sure. And what we want to be really clear about uh, here at New City, and I think every church would want to be clear about, it's not our light. Everyone say amen. It's not our light. It's one of the reasons why I like this little graphic that they made for us, the big sun in the background. That's, you know, that's the Jesus part, and all the little lights coming off of that. That's, that's us. We're, we're not the light. We're a reflection of that light, and that's led us into this consideration for last week and this week about this idea of being united with Christ. Um, when you, you know, the danger right now is I don't, I don't want to re-preach last week's sermon, but this week what we're going to be talking about is I'm going to give you a brief visit, briefly what we talked about last week, just a brief description of being united with Christ, and then today we want to look at that being applied. Some real uh, street-level practical stuff about how we actually live united with Christ, live allowing His light to shine and reflect off of us, so... Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get to Galatians 3 in just a minute. So let me just revisit briefly what we looked at last week. And union with Christ, I would kind of describe slash define it this way, is a spiritual union that believers in Jesus have with him through his spirit. Okay, I'll read that one more time. Union with Christ is the spiritual union that believers in Jesus, people who have faith in Jesus, people who have entrusted their entire lives to Jesus, they have with him through his spirit. So this means that we are joined to Jesus at the deepest level of who we are. Our heart, our spirit, our soul is joined and connected with him. And so that statement you know, just reading it in a room, you know, is, is one thing, but it's an absolute bombshell <laughs> of a reality. The fact that our hearts, souls, minds would be connected to the spirit of Jesus is a radical idea. I mean, actually, if you were to search major religions and world philosophies, you won't find something like that anywhere. It's unique to Christianity. That the God of the universe would become human like us and then die, rise again, ascend, and then share his spirit with every person, young, old, rich, or poor. Like, you know, the democratic nature of the gospel is beautiful across the board. It's for all believers. And so we tried to describe that last week in four ways. And there's a little slide up there for you. Uh, we talked about this spiritual union that I just mentioned. This reality completely reshapes our identity, the way we understand ourselves, the way we understand our past, the way we understand our future, the way we understand our present. 
That's the idea of identification and corporation. It completely reshapes the people that we belong to. You know, we talked about this, how Jesus himself, when he was approaching, the, and, you know, uh, they said, your mother and your brothers are outside, and Jesus said, my mother and my brothers are those who do the will of God. This uh, reshapes your understanding of family. I mean, you want to talk about, like, core realities to you as a human? <laughs> your understanding of yourself and your understanding of your family are probably the two most significant realities in your life. And being joined to Jesus reshapes them entirely. And then we, that last word there, the idea of participation, is that something has happened to us that is in connection with Jesus. That famous verse that I seem to quote every week that I'm up here. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I understand the most significant events in my life in terms of Christ. There is, in fact, a real spiritual part of me, because I've placed my faith in Jesus, that has died. And there's been a real spiritual resurrection that has happened in me and is continuing to happen to me. And I will share, I've shared with that in Jesus now, and I will share in, I will participate in, if we want to use that word again, in the glory and the new creation with Jesus himself. And so... You know, this union with Christ is the greatest, it's really, it's the greatest treasure. It's the essence of Christianity. Christianity is not about politics. It affects our politics, but it's not about politics. Christianity is not a code of ethics. It has a code of ethics, an amazing code of ethics, in fact. The Ten Commandments are, you know, pretty much the foundation of Western civilization. Pretty amazing. But that's not all that Christianity is. It's not even an adherence to a certain set of beliefs or values, although Christianity, of course, has those as well. Christianity, in its essence, is the very spirit of the resurrected Christ united with my spirit and shared with all others who have experienced Christ through repentance and faith. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, if you're new to the Christian faith, the Apostle Paul is kind of like in a sense, the kind of propagator or promoter. He's the official representative of Jesus to the nations. You could call him that way. The churchy word for that's apostle, okay? And this was his theme over and over and over again. He preached the unsearchable riches, Ephesians 3, of being united with Christ. I mean, he's the one who said in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, you guys know it? New creation. Behold, the old has passed away, and the new has come. And that's part of this bigger story where Paul understands the world, the New Testament understands the world, and there's an old age, and there's a new age, and we even keep time this way, by the way. You know, B.C., A.D., (laughs) it's funny. People don't recognize how Christian that is. We literally count the days of our lives based on the coming of the Messiah, whether you're a Christian or not. So I think everyone in the room could say amen. (laughs) (laughs) When Jesus rose from the dead, that new world began. And everyone who places their faith in Jesus becomes part of that new creation and it begins to work itself out. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about how it is that that beautiful and powerful and dynamic, uh, the theologians use this phrase, vital union, this life-giving union, works itself out 
in our lives. We want to talk about the application of this union with Christ. So, going to look at this in three categories. You can go to the next slide there. I want to look at the gift of Jesus' spirit, what it means to renew our heart and mind in Christ, and then lives of worship. And I chose lives of worship specifically. That's one of the values here at New City, this idea of all of life is worship. And so we'll give some um, kind of practical examples of what that looks like. So, number one, the gift of the spirit. And this is Galatians chapter 3. So, I said last week in the teaser, right at the very end of the sermon, that when we think about living our life out in Christ, how do we do it? And if you were here, you remember I said that's a bad question. We don't do it. What happens is that Jesus comes to us first. He sends the gift of his spirit first. And that's actually uh, a reflection of the story of the Bible where Jesus dies for our sins. He rises three days later. He ascends to the Father. And the first thing he does when he's, he's in that position of authority and ascension, he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, is he pours his spirit out on people who believe and repent in his name. And so that process that happened in the big macro story of the Bible is what happens to us when in, on a micro level. So let's look at Galatians 3 finally. Yeah. I'm not the most seasoned pastor in the room. There's a, there's a few pastors in the room that have been at it for 30 years. I've been at it for about mm, 15 or so. In all, my, in all my years, although I have never, like, asked people to turn to a passage one week and not return it to it to the next. <laughs> you know, it's a first for everything. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who tricked you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So we're going to go a little slowly through this. What Paul's saying here is that something very interesting. It's actually connected to this idea of union with Christ. Were the Galatians actually in Jerusalem, outside the city of Jerusalem, in the days when Jesus was crucified? No. Most, you know, most scholars will tell you those Galatian believers were not there in Jerusalem. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, wait, Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified in front of you. What Paul's saying is that when the gospel of Jesus is announced, Jesus died for your sins. He rose again conquering the grave. And you can be forgiven in his name. When that is announced which I just announced it, amen? Not a Christian, you can stay right now. You can become a Christian right now. The presence of Jesus is there. That's how united with Christ he is to his people in the announcement of the gospel. So he says, I came to you and I told you about Jesus, and that's just as good as if Jesus were right there himself. So you heard this message about Jesus. And then he says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? This is a rhetorical question. The answer is the second part. <laughs> by hearing with faith. So Jesus was announced as crucified and risen, and that message came to them. And not just the message, you could say the Messiah himself came to them. And when they heard the message and believed with faith, they received Jesus' spirit. Yes! That's the best part. 
I mean, Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, he, uh, he's talking to fathers, and he says, if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how will not your heavenly Father also give you the Holy Spirit? He doesn't have a better gift. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus who comes and who, like, applies and makes all the riches that we have in Christ kind of positionally practical. And how do you get the Spirit? You believe on the name of Jesus, and he gives him to you. It's a gift of grace. And the Spirit washes you and cleanses you and restores you. And str- Okay, you know, different sermon. Okay, verse 3 now. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? He uses two words here, the works of the law in, the pre- in verse 2, and then he calls it the flesh here. He's talking about human effort and human achievement. Okay, you got into Christianity, you got into Christ by faith, hearing about Jesus and believing. How do you make progress? More human effort, more works, more accomplishments and achievements? No! He said that would be foolish. He's actually pretty, uh, this is the, you know, kind of like the edgy letter that Paul wrote. So <laughs> he says some pretty strong, he's, pretty, he's a little frustrated with Galatians. He's called them foolish twice in these verses. Verse 4 says, did you suffer, or maybe your translation might say experience so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. I mean, who wants to see the miraculous power of God at work in New City Church? Raise your hand. How do you want to do it? You want to see the power of the risen Christ among us. How does he do that? By the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So brothers and sisters, here's, again, it, <laughs> I actually thought, man, this actually isn't that profound, but I'm not up here to be profound. I'm up here to tell you the truth. (laughs) How does the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, kind of work through our lives in our joys, our sorrows, our sufferings, our pain, our successes? You keep believing the message about Jesus. (laughs) Seriously, Mike? That is it? (laughs) That's it! But here's the beauty of that. Let's say you're here and you're just checking Christianity out. How could I get into Christ? How could I get on on this essence, this beautiful thing you're talking about, Mike? Just believe. What if you've been a Christian in this room? I know some people have been Christians in this room for almost 60 years. How are they going to grow and become more like Christ? They need to believe (laughs) more deeply, more pervasively, more consistently. But it's not, you know, it's not like, well, for the, you know, the really mature of us over here, like you got to do these seven steps or these eight things or these 12 things over here. It's like believe. Everyone say believe. Simple. It disarms us, doesn't it? Especially if you've kind of been in Christ for a while. You recognize what's actually made the difference and any significant point of growth in your Christian experience, the thing that's made the difference in that is some part of Jesus himself coming to you, revealing himself to you, and you simply believing. That's what's made the difference. 
and that's what will continue to make the difference. Don't be foolish, Mike. Don't be foolish in thinking your striving or your preaching or your parenting or your this or your that is going to be the thing that moves the needle. It's going to move the needle, Paul says here in Galatians 3, so clearly as you believe. So, let's go to the second second point here, heart and mind renewal. If that's the case, you know, is it just a matter of saying, okay, I believe in Jesus this morning, and then like, that's it? No, no, it is a little different than that. There is a growing into, what does it mean that Jesus died for me? Believing into the the realities, and you could say the mechanics of that. What does it mean that Jesus rose? Believing into the mechanics of that. What does it mean that Jesus is ascended to the Father right now? What difference does that make if I were to believe that Jesus is there? What difference does it make if I believe that Jesus is going to return? And so that good news of Jesus, that story of Jesus, believing into that is what we're talking about. Heart and mind renewal. And so i got a number of verses here. I, I just want to, this is like a quick survey of these, and there's many more. But when you read especially Paul's letter, although I put something in here from Peter as well. Across the board of the New Testament, this is the primary thing that you as followers of Jesus need to do every day, every hour of the day. If you live in a family, you're in a house, and this is something you should be encouraging the members of your household with. Okay, This is the primary thing that we need to, in a sense, what do we need to do to live in Christ, Mike? It's renew our hearts and minds in Christ. And so here we have Romans 6. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Okay, speaking about the gospel events of Jesus. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin. So see the participation? Jesus died for your sin, so you died. So then he says, consider yourself what? Dead. What's he saying? He's saying you should be thinking a certain way about yourself and the realities that you face. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I mean, does, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but it's like, does anyone struggle with pride or bitterness or jealousy, wishing you got the thing and they didn't? Why did they get it? That's jealousy. We explain that away easily struggle with that stuff, right? Lust, greed, all those things. Paul says, don't go yet, guys. Paul says, consider yourself dead to those things. Those things, though, feel very much alive, don't they? <laughs> but you don't, you don't battle them simply on the front of, I want to get over these things. You need to believe certain things about who you are and what's happened to you in order for the power of the Spirit to come. So, if this sounds to you like the power of positive thinking, is that, that you know, pretty close. Have you guys, you know, seen or read in the news recently, there's this whole movement right now of manifesting. Manifest things to the universe. Think positive, and positive things will happen. That is really, really good theology, almost, 
which makes it false teaching, <laughs> okay? Here's what makes the difference. When the only person who manifests things is Jesus. He's the kind of person that goes, let there be light. <laughs> and what happens? Light. Okay, great. Let the seas and land divide. <laughs> Jesus has the power to manifest things. He's in the boat. The winds and the waves, he's sleeping. They're like, hey, get up. We're going to die. Jesus is like, oh, peace be still. Wham, back to bed. He manifests things. When he says you're dead to sin, guess what? You're dead to sin. And when he says you are alive to God through Christ Jesus, then guess what? You are alive. And so we need to, we need to believe into that. We need to remind ourselves. We need to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Next one there is Romans 12. I've, famous verse, many Christians know it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. One of those mercies is chapter 6, by the way. But to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's your spiritual worship. All of life is worship. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And then read it. By the renewal of your mind. How are we transformed? That's a great word, right? That's a reshaping. How is our life going to be reshaped by the works of the flesh, by the works of the law? No, no, Galatians would say, Paul's saying here, by believing into the mercies of God. Believing into the person and the work and the story of Jesus Christ. So he says in Romans 6, he says in Romans 12, we go to the next one. He says this to the Colossians, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things on the earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So he reminds the, the Roman church, he reminds the Colossian church, go to the next one, go to the Philippians, have this mind among you, which already is yours in Christ Jesus. Go to the Peter one. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded. Here's what you're supposed to do with your mind. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying part of what it means to set your mind on Christ, Peter's making the emphasis of the return of Christ. Put your mind there. Set it there. Fix it. And so, brothers and sisters, cannot, uh, you know, and there's, again, for sake of time, I was like, Honestly, you know, sometimes preachers say that and they really only have one more example. No, okay. <laughs> there are many more examples in the New Testament of how important it is to renew your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In our family, we just, even, even simple things, and, and, you know, maybe I'm a little OCD about this, but, like, we don't, you know, our family time is called renewal time. The very title of it is what we want to get at, out of it, okay? And again, if people call it other things, that's fine. The, but that's just a reminder to us that what needs to happen here is we all need to be renewed. We need to focus our hearts and minds on Jesus and be renewed. Who he is, what he's done for us, what he's promised, his story, all of that. 
So heart and mind renewal regularly in the person and story of Jesus. And a couple little practical things I can say in here then, you know, so, you know, there needs to be rhythms in your life. I mean, this gathering is a huge rhythm. So, so glad that you're here. This is a rhythm for you to come and renew your heart and mind in Jesus. I mean, that's why we pick the songs we pick. That's why we preach the sermons we preach, so that your heart and your mind can be renewed. But renewal is kind of like eating. It's like the need for it is continual. The need for renewal is continual. I mean, I can have, you know, there's sometimes in my, you know, when I'm studying or whatever, and like something, you know, happens to me, and the Spirit speaks to me, and this happens to all of us as Christians, not just me because I'm a preacher, but that's a big part of what I do week in and week out, and I see this thing, and I'll come out of wherever I'm studying to the girls, and I'll be like, oh, man, this is so good, and, you know, I'm like, you got, you got 30 seconds, and they're like, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, no, I'm kidding. They generally, generally they do like to hear it, you know what I'm saying? Two minutes later, I could say something harsh or sharp and, and be in sin. And it's like, what happened to that you and the Christ stuff? <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. The need for renewal is continual. And so it's important for us, and we're, we'll, when we talk about uh, growth later, we'll touch on it more, but the rhythms of being in the word and prayer aren't just like I was in the word or I just prayed. It's like, no, was my heart and mind renewed in Christ through those means of grace? It's not, did I read my Bible today? Paul doesn't say, read your Bible to the Colossians, the Philippians, the Romans, all the other. What did he say? Renew your heart and mind. We could talk a lot about the importance of singing for that. Anyway, so I got to keep going. There's a lot. All right. Um, <laughs> so not only is it faith in the person and work of Jesus, there is another aspect to this that is, I would say, more I even use this word carefully, but, but painful. If you have a, your Bible there, go just a couple pages forward to Ephesians. And there's an illustration that Paul uses, a metaphor of getting dressed. You know, how often do we get dressed? Every day, you know, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Be an interesting day where you never got dressed. Anyway, <laughs> that wasn't in the notes. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, he says you shouldn't walk like the Gentiles. You shouldn't walk like people who don't know the Lord. They're darkened in their understanding. Verse 20, but that's not the way you learn Christ, assuming you've heard him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. He taught you to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self. The old self is... The, the epitome of that is Adam, which is leading to rebellion and sin and death and darkness and decay and corruption. And the new man is the new Adam, is Jesus, and you're to put on Jesus and be renewed in him and, and live and walk like he walked. And so he uses this analogy or this metaphor of put off and put on. And so in verses 25 all the way down through chapter 5 and verse 2, he gives some practical examples. Put away falsehood. Don't be deceptive. Don't lie. Rather, speak the truth with your neighbor, for we are members of each other. He's going to talk, put off this kind of speech and put on gentle and kind and edifying speech. Put off uh, anger and malice and unkindness and put on kindness and tenderheartedness. And so there's this idea, there's this reality of what it means to walk in Christ, 
Yes, a certain huge aspect of it is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The other crucial aspect of it is letting go of things that dishonor Christ. Everyone say, let go. Everyone say, surrender. Okay, now we're going to, now, you know, it was real before. It's going to get very real right now. There's actually a, a, an incredible simplicity to this. Fact one, Jesus is alive. <laughs> Everyone say Jesus is alive. All right? Fact two, if you've placed your faith in him, you're united with Christ. Fact three, you can pray directly to him. He hears your every prayer. Fact four, he knows what's going on in your heart. (laughs) And if you want to experience the powerful work of the spirit of Jesus in your life, then you need to get real with Jesus. You need to literally just tell him what's going on. So we just joined churches, so this illustration is going to be familiar to some Trinity folk. Sorry. That's going to happen when Pastor Dave preaches for some Cornerstone folk. Fine. We're a new city now, so we've kind of got to share and know each other's story. So here's a little bit of my story. When I planted Trinity Church with Dan in 2007, I didn't know it, but lurking deep in me, Ephesians 4 talks about deceitful desires, was this desire for ministry success. I wanted to you know, I'm going to get into Smyrna. I'm going to preach my guts out and light this town on fire. I don't think I've ever shared this publicly, but I told my wife and Dan, a couple others, that God was going to send 500 people to our church in the first year. Trinity folk, can we get verification? <laughs> no? Didn't happen? Okay. I was just checking. My wife said, you thought that's from the Lord? (laughs) That was so good. That was like her first response. It was so good. She's in the nursery. (laughs) But I just wanted to be successful, and I was going to use Jesus and church plan to get it. Just like the apostles, right before Jesus died, can we sit on your right and your left? They were with Jesus, not for Jesus, but so that they could get positions in the kingdom. Jesus says, you you, you guys are totally missing this here. So a couple years into it, been wrestling with this. You know, I got identified some, you know, Dan pointed some things out to me. Some others did. Obviously, my wife did. And I would start to wrestle with this and try to figure it out. And there was this one Sunday morning I was going to preach on the peace of Christ. I don't remember what series we're in or anything like that, but I was so angry when I left because I didn't feel like I was going to preach well, and then if I don't preach well, the church isn't going to be successful. And it's just fleshly. It's embarrassing to admit it, but that's, again, let's just get real. Okay? That's, that's a temptation for pastors, okay, in case you wanted to know. <laughs> and so... I was angry that it wasn't going to go well, that it hadn't been going well, in my opinion. But in God's grace, it, you know, it was going just fine. He was blessing. It was great. But I had a misconceived notion of success, even though I knew better than to say it. <laughs> I'm going to preach, and I'm so angry, I 
And then I was angry that I was angry, so I just screamed at the top of my lungs in the car. I remember specifically thinking, I'm going to yell, I'm going to make the loudest noise Mike Osborne can make. And I did. Bang the steering wheel. And I screamed again. I was just so mad. And uh, the third time I screamed, I, I cried out to the Lord. And I said, I want the glory. And that was a confession of sin. Let's just call it what it is. Strip away all the spiritual jargon, all the junk. This is what I want. And as soon as I said it, this huge burden just fell off me. I can't explain it to you. And that verse that I read earlier immediately came to mind, which this is the importance of spending time in the Word and praying so that in those moments, the Spirit speaks to you through the Word, and He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. And Jesus said, I'll give you mine. I'll share my glory with you. It's an indestructible glory. And it's way better than any glory you could get for yourself. And so I had to let go of that deceitful desire. Call it what it was. Bring it to Jesus. Now, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as that. You know, this is... <laughs> It's like, easy, Mike. So for those of you that have a much more normal personality, it may not look that dramatic for you. Praise God, okay? And like I told you last week, it's not that that temptation would, you know, we still live between the resurrection and the return of Jesus. So that temptation could rear its ugly head again very easily, but there was a powerful working of the Spirit of God in my life in that moment, and there was a, there was a moment of, of freedom that has produced freedom ongoing. And so this idea of repentance, of putting off and putting on, recognizing, you know, the this, this struggle. So, you know, I would just encourage you, you know, even my own family recently just encouraging some of the kids, just, just tell Jesus what you really want, as ugly as it may be. Just flat out tell him the, the sin that you got. Every time you saw people get real with Jesus, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, the, the leper came to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want? <laughs> and he wasn't like some spiritual answer. Well, I was reading the law of Moses, and I figured, he's like, I want to be clean. And Jesus said, I'm willing, be clean. <laughs> Get real with, this is, this is the beauty of union with Christ. He's alive, you're united with him, he knows what's going on, he has the power to heal, transform, build, and grow you, so just go there, take your stuff, and put it to Jesus. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. That's union with Christ. <laughs> I'm like, again, that is, again, not profound, right? I went to church today. What do he say? Believe in Jesus. Oh, that's new. <laughs> I went to church today. What do he say? Get real with you. Okay, yeah. But I just wonder if we really believe that he cares or that he's alive or that our stuff is really that bad. Or, you know, there's all these things that threaten to undermine 
that simple transaction of being united with Christ. So, renew your heart and mind in Jesus. You repent from your sins and you rejoice in what Jesus provides. Note that in, in my own testimony there. It's not just I want the glory and Jesus says, well, too bad. <laughs> he says, I'll give you a better one. You want, you know, you know, you know whatever it is, that, the thing that you want, the maybe honor or acceptance or peace or, or security, any of these things that your heart might desire, Jesus doesn't say, well, let it go and too bad. He says, I'll give you my joy. I'll give you my peace. I'll give you my strength. I'll give you my glory. Why? Because you're united with him. All right. Last one here. Lives of worship. And this is just a survey. And just a few more minutes here. We'll be done. So Romans 12 again says that we're to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And that, is, that issues forth then in these lives of worship that we have. And so I just picked five simple things. If we say, if one of our values here at Trinity, or, oh, I did it. Did it. I was waiting for it and it finally happened. Before you, yep, zero, one. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, my goodness, that's hilarious. Oh, and it's, I have a worse time. New City sounds a lot more like Trinity than Cornerstone. <laughs> one of our values at New City Church is Christ and a life of worship. What are the aspects of a life of worship? Um, there's five things. Just Again, I'm not going to go like five things. Just trust me. We'll be, I understand what time it is. Prayer, scripture, growth, the family of God, and then mission. And we've already talked about the prayer one. Because you're united with Christ, prayer is like breathing. Scripture says to pray without ceasing. That's the word, the Greek word they use for a cough. When you got a cough, and I'm not going to fake a cough right now. These are COVID times. But how often... That comes. Prayer is as natural as breathing. We, Jesus himself opened up the new and living way. Jesus himself is praying for you. Jesus is the one who commands and invites you to pray and says that he'll be with you. All, every time we pray, we, we say in Jesus' name, right? That's union. Every, you know, so you're do, you've been doing union with Christ even if you didn't realize it. So prayer, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Scripture. If you go to Luke chapter 24, there's, a, there's a, a beautiful little story here about two people, after Jesus died, they were super sad. They thought he was going to be the Messiah. Obviously, he didn't look like he's the Messiah because he's dead. They're on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus joins up with them. Right? You guys know some of this story? All right, good. And so Jesus says to them in verse 25, he, he says, um, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so they don't even know it's Jesus yet. I mean, what an amazing growth group. <laughs> Little group right here, Jesus himself expounding over the course of a few miles, seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, all of these things from the Old Testament that pointed to Jesus. 
So they drew near to the village which they were going, and he acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay. He was at table with them. He took bread, blessed it, and gave it to them. And he opened their eyes. Their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Let's get out of the mentality of I'm reading my Bible to the idea that I'm hearing the voice of Jesus in all of Scripture. You open the Scriptures up and you say, Lord Jesus, you are alive. Speak to me through your word in all of Scripture. And I'm desirous and prayerful that what will happen is our hearts will be set aflame. We will burn. And notice what Jesus said there. You didn't believe the prophet. They knew all about those things, but they weren't believing and centered on Jesus. And so, you know, you think of the lives of worship. We think about prayer. We think about Scripture. All those things are Jesus-centered and Jesus-empowered through union with Christ. The next passage I have on the screen for growth, you think about what does it mean to grow in Christ. Miss Paul again. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. <laughs> you want to talk about this connection? You know, we're united to Jesus through the Spirit, and the Spirit is one with Jesus. That's, that's the connection. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, say it, freedom. Who, you know, who, man, we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Who doesn't want to be free? True freedom is found in Christ, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so this is the process of Christian growth. Because Jesus has taken the veil away and we can freely see, that's faith right there. That's actually imagination. God gave you an imagination so you could see Jesus. You know, think about Revelation 1. There's this picture of the risen Christ. If you want to know who Jesus is, read Revelation 1 and use a faith-filled imagination and you get a picture of Jesus. You can see him. <laughs> it's amazing. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can see him. So with unveiled face, you behold Jesus. That's nothing more than faith-filled renewal of the heart and mind. And as you see Jesus, you're changed. <laughs> A little bit more changed into what? More like Jesus. So are you struggling with patience? Read the Gospels and see how patient Jesus was with Peter, James, John, all those guys. many examples. See Jesus. Look to him. The family of God is the fourth one. That's next week. Pastor Dave is going to talk all about what does it mean to value the fact that we are in Christ together as a church. And then lastly here for mission. And this one's on the screen as well, I believe. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old has passed away, new has come. All this, it's a lot, is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. New city, we are a city on a hill, and God has reconciled us to himself. We've been brought into the light, and now he's given us the responsibility of, reconcil of reconciliation to others. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal, and say the next two words, through us. Wow. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled. That's what I was saying earlier in the beginning of the sermon. When Paul went to Galatia and said, Jesus died and rose again for your sins, Jesus himself was making his appeal to those Galatians through Paul. Jesus himself. Everyone say, Jesus himself. I just don't know if we believe it. I don't know if I believe it. Growing up into this, is so, it is exciting, but it's like, man, there's so far to go. I'll close with one story. Stories are easy to listen to. So this is a, this is a beautiful, the point of the story is to encourage you to tell other people about Jesus because we're ambassadors for Jesus. We are a city on a hill. My mom became a Christian when she was in her early 30s. She'd known about Jesus. Uh, she'd grown up uh, in Catholic Church, but had never heard about this reality of being united with Christ and being born again. And so my aunt, one of, one of my mom's one of ten, <laughs> she has eight brothers, so her, one of her younger brothers, his wife, came and started talking to my mom about being born again. And through that relationship, my mom was born again. She met Jesus. She was united with Christ. And then, of course, my mom and my father, who then started, by the way, going to a little small group of Christians were meeting in a house, nothing too flashy or crazy. My dad heard the message about Jesus, and he was born again, and he was united with Christ. And so I was about seven or eight, and so I started hearing the message about Jesus when I was a little guy. And I had a faithful teacher named Mr. Button. <laughs> to go into his class, he was a big construction worker. He had a huge belly. But he could do backflips and handstands. It's like incredibly athletic. And on the way in, we could just punch his stomach on the way in. Boom, welcome to class. Just like, <laughs> it, was, it was the best. Mr. Button told me about Jesus. Jesus himself was making his appeal through Mr. Button. And I just reflected on that, how personal Jesus is. He doesn't save us from far away. He comes to us. Ephesians 2 says that he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. Jesus never went to Ephesus. God, through Christ, through his people, is making an appeal. There are people in central Delaware this week to whom Jesus desired to make his appeal for reconciliation, you can be forgiven, you can be restored, you can have eternal life. And New City, he's given us the incredible privilege of bearing that light, of shining that light in word and in deed. It's not our mission. Here's the good news that we end with. Jesus is on mission. <laughs> he's reconciling. And the beauty of it is we get to be a part of it. And so New City just... Renew your heart and mind. Build the rhythms of grace that will renew your heart and mind and who you are in Jesus and who he is for you. Amen. All right, just got a couple people come pray. We asked uh, Abigail, Aubrey to come pray for us. And then after her, uh, Brother Howard, you come pray to close our time out this morning.